0: Boomer! 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 Sooner!
1: Well, You're back for another episode of the Flagship OU Football Podcast. It is part of the Franchise Podcast Network, powered by 107.7. I am joined this week by the biggest OU homer there is at the franchise. (laughs) Nice. Mr. Sam Mays. How are you doing, Sam?
0: What's up, buddy? I'm doing good. Not too bad at all. It's uh, it's slightly... Uh, miserable outside but this is my type of weather right the darkness right rain dreariness it's like 75 degrees Western i got high school Ohio. football tonight i'm oh yeah this is this is where we live what game are you going to i'm going to going uh to santa fe booker t okay up there in edmond is there anybody playing that game no like i just like just high school football, football. It's something my uh my oldest son and i do every year we try to Go to as many high school football games as we can, and I use my media credential to get down on the field. And he stands with me, and he just thinks he's the coolest thing in the nice. world. So, uh, one day you'll learn when you got kiddos when you can make them smile like that just for doing something simple. It's always a, a must. Look, I'm all for doing simple things, so I will be jumping on that that wagon. But nice.
1: yeah, so the, I mean, well, it's, uh, weather's a little rainy today. It's it's worse in some places. I mean no the doubt. hurricane? Was there like when you when you were playing? Did you like the weather games? you like rain, snow, or you just want it to be sunny and Dude, offensive
0: linemen will play in any condition out there. And I think with the invention of field turf, uh, which is something that I kind of just, I was in playing at that time where it was becoming a thing. Uh, I think my last, really almost, I think every year that I played at Oklahoma State, we had field turf that I played. But my freshman year, they had that astral turf. On the football field. So field uh, turf, yeah, which was just brutal. The number of staph infections that we had every single practice like that week, once the season got into it, was just miserable because they couldn't keep that stuff clean. And then everybody gets staph infections right. and the locker room gets passed around. So uh, it took a giant step in the right direction with with field turf. But really all you had to do is go out in pregame, test the conditions, and, and with your molded cleats decide what you were going to wear. So if it was rainy – uh, then you went from molded to the uh, to the screw-in spikes, and if it was snowing, you just put those inch and a quarter screw-in spikes in and just kind of went with it. So uh, it's to me it was all as long as I had footing to go to work, I, I loved it. The only thing that we hated was uh, just those uh, those really hot games. And in the Big Twelve, it was interesting because in Oklahoma, around what Halloween it starts to cool off a little bit at least. It's not miserable, right? But say you have a game November first in College Station. It's 104, maybe down there, and those were the games that sucked the most because you just weren't able to, uh, you know, account for. Heck, I've been living the dream up here for a month and a half now, and it's still this hot in Texas. So those are the games that really sucked.
1: Was there any? Was there a specific game that you played in that? The weather was just absolutely crazy. I mean, I'm talking like blizzard snow or like 115-degree heat index, something. We played,
0: and this is – I'm going way back here. This is like 1999. I was in high school, and we got to play at Youngstown State's stadium against um, Cardinal Mooney, which was Bob Stoops' high school. So we were rivals. We played right. an 18 conference uh, called the Steel Valley, and this was a conference that from, I'd say, 70 to – 2005, you're getting 30 kids a year playing power five football out of that 18. Like when I signed my scholarship, a letter of intent, we did it on TV, and there were 25 kids from this eight, and I'm talking big schools, Penn State, Ohio State, Oklahoma State. I mean, it was pretty legit, but we get to play this game, and probably I bet you there was 10,000 people there. But it was so rainy that the actual turf at the time, there were bubbles in it. So it was floating, essentially. So you'd hit a kid, he'd fall, and then you would hydroplane on his body for six, seven feet. It was That was the craziest weather game I've ever played in. And no lightning, so they'd let us play, and it was just, the rain's coming in sideways, I mean, in your ear hole, you're like draining out your ear as the game went along. It was unbelievable. This was an all-star game, like, kind of like an all-star game? No, no, this is an actual in-conference. Oh, yeah, okay. Just a game. Yeah, our conference opponent, right? Wow.
1: I was gonna say, if I mean, that was like a like an all star type game. Like, why, why would you play? In oh that? yeah, that no, no, so no. Stupid... This was
0: actually in the season. Uh, it was one of the. It was a pretty big game that year. That was the season that we had Maurice Claret, uh was oh, a okay. freshman on, on yeah. our team, and we ran. We changed the entire offense. We went from a pro set offense to a a uh, stack eye. So I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a double tight with an up back, a full back, and the tailback. So one receiver. So you're going
1: you're going basically three backs like a i-formation with an extra Base, back yes and we had
0: uh, i think 12 plays that's it so all you needed just had, and all five of us up front played division one college football we all averaged uh i want to say 325 at that time six six four three twenty five 325 was the average of my my high school wow. offensive line yeah
1: that's, yeah i see i went to a two-way school right. and uh <laughs> i think our starting left guard weighed about 160 pounds nice so i can't yeah, I can't even imagine having an offensive line in high school like that. But, I mean, you talked about Maurice Claret, talking about the offensive line. Getting back to OU football, one of the biggest questions is the running backs. Who's going to play? Right. You know, we don't know what they're going to have because Abdul Adams really hasn't had that much of a workload. Rodney Anderson's been hurt for, what, the last couple of years. And you've got young guys like Trey Sermon uh, coming in that, you know, people are up, you know, saying nice things about him in camp, but you just don't know until they get out on the field. Right. Is there is it as an offensive lineman, is there was there a type of running back that you preferred to
0: block for, like a shifty back, Man. or did you want a guy that's just gonna follow you downfield? Yeah. I was really fortunate in college to have an extremely versatile backfield. Like I had three backs at one point from Tatum Bell to Shawnee's Seymour Shaw to Vernon Renzi, who played for the Packers for a few years, that each one had a certain skill set, right? Tatum was stupid fast. No one was gonna catch Tatum Bell after five or six yards, but he had to be untouched. He just wasn't a heavy guy. Seymour Shaw was like bringing in the shotgun. Like, we knew when Seymour came off the bench that there was one of four plays we're going to run, and every one of them was power. Seymour was, look, he's that guy chasing someone down the field because he wanted contact, loved him for it. And it it changed our whole mindset when he came in the football game. And then there was Vernon Morenci, who was your – you know, the epitome of what a scat back is. He was untouchable, but it didn't have to be clean, and you knew it as an offensive lineman. So let's say it's a 22 dive, and I've got Tatum in the backfield. Well, I know as the center and I combo that one technique up to the Mike linebacker, I've got to make sure that I shove that one technique across the center space, and I've got to split this middle linebacker. It's got to be a perfect block if we're going to score here, right? With Seymour Shaw, I could spend more time pushing the one technique Halfway, put my body on the middle linebacker because Seymour's going to hit the guy regardless of on block. He's going to run me over regardless, you know. Especially with short yardage. And then there was Morinzi, who you could spend way more time on the first level, literally get your body in an angle to and to to help make that linebacker make a decision. Don't even touch the guy, and he's going to make that linebacker miss. So you just knew the level of cleanliness, really, that you had to have within that offensive line. A blocking scheme that you're dealing with. So I had a bunch of of great backs and, and I I I prefer the versatility. I think you need something for, for everyone. And right. and so when I look at this Oklahoma running back committee and this offensive line, like I think all you need to know right now for me personally, and I haven't even said this on my own show yet, but when you talk about Abdul Adams, who averaged five point three yards a carry last year, and Dimitri Flowers, who averaged five yards a carry too, I don't need to know anything about Rodney Anderson. Right. I just don't. Because you don't have to the most overrated thing in football today is the the big playmaker. It's an overrated deal. You don't need big playmakers to have success. Is Oklahoma going to blow a lot of teams out this year? Maybe not, because you don't have Joe Mixon and D.D. Westbrook and and those guys doing making 50-yard touchdowns left and right. Well, I, and I, I mean, you could go back 50 years. The, one of the
1: biggest keys in football to winning is controlling the clock right. and, keeping, and your, keeping your offense right. on the field and right. – I mean, the bottom line, if you can get a big play every other drive and score a touchdown, but if the other team comes on the field right. and is wearing your defense down, by the end of the game, you're probably going to lose
0: because yeah. you're not going to get big pl- 10 big plays a game. Right. Like so. I'm expecting Oklahoma to find a big-time playmaker at some point. That's going to happen for the Sooners this year. Especially against the Big 12
1: defense. You'd have to imagine somebody in that offense will have the athleticism to step up. No question. Somebody is.
0: But the thing that I need to know about this team is they need to be the best football team in this conference. And they need to be the best football team in two weeks against Ohio State. Now, are they going to be the most talented football team? The answer is no. But as far as lining up, putting your hand in the dirt, and just doing your assignment well, as a team, as a starting 22, they need to be the best group on the field, and there's a the potential that they are. Like, Ohio State might have more firepower than Oklahoma does, but as far as playing in a phone booth, I don't know that anybody in college football this year is going to do it as well as the Sooners are going to do it when you consider Baker Mayfield's versatility. So it's it's a really good chance that this team is significantly better than a lot of people think they're going to be. Like, Colby Daniels gets on the radio and, and during our show, and he says, They're missing 4,000 yards and 45 touchdowns. You're right. They are missing 4,000 yards and 45 touchdowns. Let's go back to the Texas Tech game, though, and let's say they play time of possession football, that they don't have mix and break in 50-yard runs, and they just have a 13-14 play drive every single time that offense is on the field. Are they going to win that football game? The answer is yes. Are they going to win it? closely probably but they're going to control it right. right that's all you need to do is control those football games control the time of possession
1: well and getting back to what i just said because texas tech was putting together 12 15 play right. drives Mahomes threw what 75 passes or something like that passes, yeah. and then you're getting dd westbrook and joe mixon breaking 50 yard touchdowns right. the defense was just Exhausted. on the
0: field right probably 70 percent of that game right like there's a symbiotic relationship there like your offense has got to help your defense your defense has got to help your offense And that's how Oklahoma is going to be great this year because I think they have a balance for the first time in a long time and they're more able to play physical football than anybody in this league. If you're looking at Oklahoma State, do they have the best offense in, in the league? The answer is probably yes. If that offensive line is good enough, they will have the best offense in this league. But even Oklahoma will look at the Cowboys and think, I don't want to get in a pissing contest with them. I just want to go play football, and Oklahoma State will have no answer for that because their defense will be able to sustain. Right. They have no core middle of that defense. So with OU running the football, I, if Demetri Flowers doesn't get 15 carries a game, what is he doing out there? Like if you have questions as far as who your playmaker is going to be, then don't worry about the playmaker. Give it to Flowers. He Demetri Flowers could be your lead back. He I, could. I mean, what was I, the kid at A&M – this is a long time ago. Played In Javorsky Lane. Yes, the big dude, two, yes. like two hundred eighty pounds. just hand him the rock, right. and just let him get four or five yards to carry. Well, I
1: I said this uh, on the producer's show last week. What's what's it really what, physically? What is the difference between Dimitri Flowers and Samaj Ajp Ryan?
0: You're uh, not well, much. Yeah, a tenth so of a forty times. Yeah,
1: yeah. So what's to say that you can't run basically the same offense you ran last year right. with the shotgun and two backs with? Abdul Adams or whoever, absolutely could, and and then uh, Demetri Flowers, right. I don't see any reason that the offense should really change that dramatically right. this year. The only thing you need, you're just going to need receivers to catch the ball,
0: right. You're going to need receivers to catch the ball. I'm going to throw that Murray kid in there, also at some point, uh, the backup quarterback, Tyler Murray. he's a yeah. he's, uh, the kid is too good of a f- weird. Like he, th- there's there's great athletes and then there's weird athletes. Like over the last 10 years, I've seen some pretty weird athletes in the Big 12, Adrian Peterson, you know, that type of guy. I mean, a guy that you won't even remember, Prentice Elliott at Oklahoma State, was a, he was a freakish, strange person physically on the football field. Kyler Murray is that guy. I'm using him somehow, some way in the backfield. I don't care if you hand the ball off to him. I know he's your backup quarterback. We're talking about now, though. We're talking about right. this season. We're talking about a Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback in Baker Mayfield. We're talking about a team that could get you back to the college football playoff and a team that's going to lose some of these pieces coming into next season. I'm not worried about Kyler Murray getting hurt. I'm going to go play the kid, whether a few, it's a slot receiver or something. He needs to get ten touches a game.
1: I mean, a few weeks ago at uh, at OU media day, I mean, Lincoln Riley was almost drooling over Kyler Murray's athleticism. Right. I mean, they asked him how fast he, he even I don't even think he was asked. I think on his own, just his own willingness to talk about it, he was just glowing over right. Kyler Murray's athleticism. So in, in an offense where we don't, I mean, Jeff Badette looks insanely athletic. I'm with you 100% there. But, but the other guys we just don't know. Use every weapon that you have on that offense until you find something because other than Baker and the offensive line, they're going into it Pretty green as far as in-game production, right. so I mean I, I agree with you that they need to find something out. Hell, I, I would get crazy and put Baker and Kyler in the backfield at the same time and right. work something out. If I mean I wouldn't do it against Ohio State, but you can do it against Utah or something. So, but all right, so I'm a, I'm a, I might be in a boat by myself, but I think going into the Ohio State game this year and even on the first two episodes, a big emphasis on my podcast i want to talk about was the ohio state game because i mean even all around college football in all the games it's probably one of the top five games oh this season preseason yeah, non-conference two or,
0: powerhouses two traditional fan bases two traditional um, you know emblems on their helmets of course it is right so i think that oklahoma has a better chance to win this year than they did
1: last year and a big reason for that in my opinion is the fact that lincoln riley's the coach now and he just doesn't have anything to lose. I don't. I think there's way less pressure on Lincoln to win this game than there would have been
0: if Stoops was still here. I would agree to that. Um, I, I think there's pressure. I don't know that it's way less. I think it's less. Um, I think when you are that team and you are one of those elite blue bloods of college football, you don't like to lose to another blue blood in college football. And you definitely want to do it back to back years. Right. So I think there's a pretty significant amount of pressure. Like you are talking on the grand scheme of things. And this is an angle that we never get into in Sports Talk Radio. Most people don't. But Lincoln Riley wins this game, you're talking 20 million dollars is going to come out of this somehow some way for facilities from donors if they get it done. Like that's the kind of win that gets people to just throw money at you. That's you know, that's on the the dark side of college football. The thing that we don't talk about. So there's pressure there. You know what I mean? There is 100% pressure there because as a new coach, he needs to you know, captivate the the hearts and the minds. And I think he's done that as far as the people are concerned. But I promise you, the money is like, I guess we'll wait and see. And I think the money trusts Joe C. I think they they think that this is a guy that can hire football coaches. He obviously hired uh, any coach. Really, he's had a, s- a slew of successful He was voted local. the best AD in the nation. Right. So I think there's a lot of th- the money that trust him. Uh, with this, but if Lincoln Riley wins this football game, they will probably be, believe in him a little bit more. You know, I think as fans, media members, um, people do, don't have much to lose here or much to, to add. You know, we don't have a, a stake in what Oklahoma football is or, or how it's going to, uh, the program looks over the next 20 years, but there are people that, that, common people that do. So this is a huge program victory if he finds a way to get it done. And no one's going to tell Lincoln Riley that, but he knows it. As, as much as, the boosters and and all the money people and even the fans
1: will be watching this game. I I think the Big 12 is going to have a close eye on this game because I I think a win in Ohio State, even from Oklahoma, can go a long way in getting this conference a little bit of respect to win your biggest non-conference game of the season. If if they drop it, if OU comes out flat like they did last year, I I don't know that it's really going to help anything as far as the – national perspective on the Big 12 goes in I mean as far as the conference goes I mean do you agree that the Big 12 this game means a lot as a conference for the Big 12 and then do you think that outside of Oklahoma does Oklahoma State even really give them much of a of a challenge this year in the conference or does any other team give them a challenge
0: I think this is a huge huge game for the Big 12 I think we all need to be watching it going Oh please oh please oh please oh please oh please win this football game right. if if you are uh, a Big 12 fan whether that is Oklahoma State or uh Texas whoever any especially if you're Oklahoma State and Texas I and mean, you need Oklahoma to do their best to, f- to continue to fly the Big 12 flag uh as uh as high and proudly as possible. So I mean you you're looking at a you're looking at a football game that could define this league for the next two years right i mean two three years i mean this is uh this is a a game that could um win baker mayfield a heisman that could and that's going to help the big 12 also it could um you know it could boost a, a, a big 12 team early into the top into the final four which as long as OU's oh, in the Final Four from day one of them talking about it, that's a huge spark for the Big 12. Yeah, dude. I mean, this is this thing is is everything. So I think when you look at uh, the magnitude of this and and what's on the line as far as the national narrative with this conference and and where it's going to end up, if you're not t- t- flying that Ohio State flagged and or that OU flag right now, you're crazy. You know, Oklahoma State is probably the team that would come closest to this deal because I think you're looking at something extremely unique offensively. If they're offensive – now, here's the deal, though. Ohio State's defensive front, that is a real deal. Greg Schiano said that was the best defensive line he's ever coached, Dude, and he coached in the NFL. There's are six deep along that thing and could really be a handful. I don't know that Oklahoma State's offensive line has a chance, honestly. So I would say Oklahoma, the only team in this league – That would have the ability to even play a full four quarters at their best against this Ohio State team. Well, Beatonboes talked about
1: how he would feel comfortable going, playing five or six guys on the interior of his offensive line. So, I they might insane. That's insane. That's insane. So, I mean, they could. This could be looking at a situation where both lines are just rotating in and out, and you're just having just absolute war in the trenches in
0: that game. I. Like, I I am, as a football player, I was always at my best. Like, my best football came probably about, I would say, midway through the second quarter and midway through the, like, midway through the second, we'll say, I'll say at the end of the first quarter through the second, I was playing my best, and I will say midway through the third, through the fourth, I was playing my best. There is a certain level of physical comfort that comes with playing those interior offensive line positions, especially, right? Like, there wasn't a game in my career that I wasn't nervous in game one, play one, because you just have to get your hands on the guy that you're going to be blocking consistently. And one play will let you know, oh crap, I'm going to have right. my hands full today. I've got to do these things. Or you start rubbing your hands together thinking, I'm going to make a highlight tape today, you know? And, but that is a. You know, for big guys, man, like I could stretch as much as you want me to stretch, I can lube up and lube, you know, uh, uh, anti inflammatories and all everything. But it's there's nothing like easing, it's like getting an old car and running it for 50 minutes and thinking, All right, after 50 minutes, it's finally run hitting on all cylinders type of thing. Like, I think there's just a comfort to being on the offensive line and bl- being about play 30 into a game and really starting to get that thing rolling. It's a chemistry, right? It's like a organized dance. So, when I think of rotating guys in and out of something that in my head is just about being cohesive and understanding like I took a lot of pride as a junior we probably had top 10 offensive line in the country um, I would say that Corey Hilliard and I were probably a top five right guard right tackle combination in the country and we knew it and we were jerks about it on the football field we were seriously do some damage uh, to, to teams that we played and it didn't matter if it was Oklahoma or Texas th- that you had your hands full uh, with us and and we had a relationship together even off the field that was like that. I mean, we, you could see us on campus. We're eating lunch together. We just had this thing down. When it was time for a tackle guard double team, our footwork was perfect. Our hips were right against each other. Our driving – I mean, we were amazing at it. That took time to get like that. And he was a true freshman. But we had worked on that from May through August – through the preseason, the non conference, and by the time we got the conference play, we were really good at doing those things. Like the thought of another tackle coming in the game while I'm playing it, and then me having that same sort of cohesiveness, I, I just that's weird. But that's how they practice today, you know, that's what they're doing today. So, the rotate if you got the bodies to do it, and then those kids all have the same mindset, and you still have that same physical play, why not? I guess because if you're fresh, if you got a whole nother body you can throw out there in the second half of the game who's fresh, why not? So I mean, you mentioned that he was he was a true freshman, and you guys were
1: arguably one of the right. best combos. Does it, does it take a special type of athlete and lineman, or just football player, to play a tackle position in call, a Division One as a freshman? Because I mean, oh, I'm yeah, thinking about Orlando Brown be, going yes, out there as a true you freshman. You got to be special.
0: Yeah, you got to have great footwork and great confidence. You know, we, we talk a lot of the time about uh, cornerbacks and the mentality that goes into playing that position. It's really kind of the same with risk receivers, and that's why both those positions are very weird. And, and divas and, like, think about all the receivers, this in your lifetime, the great receivers, how every one of them was just odd. Right. Like, corners are the same way. Like, you've got to have this mentality that you're on that line of scrimmage thinking, I will not be beat. I am the greatest football player of all time, and you're telling yourself that, right? Same thing with left tackles. Like, you've got to have a mentality that I am not going to be beat, and you have to understand that you are a really nice Cadillac. You've got a Ferrari across from you. Like, I hated playing tackle, and I was too short to play tackle once I got to college. is why I moved inside to play mm-hmm. guard. Guard is – it's grunt work. I mean, that is – you take all the athleticism out of football, and it's about, you know what? I hate you, and I'm going to hurt you now. They've get, I have the mental bil- – I'm going to get my stance, and I'm going to really hurt you. Like, guard just work with my aggression. Tackle, it's not about aggression. It's about – being precise and delicate and perfect with your footwork. Like a a great pass rush, um, a a, a great tackle in five steps can beat the greatest pass rusher of all time. It takes five simple steps in a kick slide and a step forward and a hand punch, and you win. It's Pass blocking is the easiest thing in the world. It doesn't take any energy to do it. But one misstep, and you're done. It's over and you lose. Like you've got to be to be a great tackle, it's a special mentality.
1: So, uh, so a guy like Orlando Brown, I mean, he's going into his third year, and right. I've heard you. I mean, you you love this I love guy. The you, kid. you think he has all the potential in the world. Right. So is it is it just uh, with him? How much is it? Just his physical, just size. Yeah. Here's the it Or a, there, is it or is his
0: technique? Orlando Brown's not an NFL left tackle. He's not. Like, you're, you're going to hear media members who don't know what they're watching say, oh, yeah, he's going to get drafted, be a big-time left tackle in the NFL. No, he's not. He's too stiff. His work work's not that good. I mean, it's great. It's, it's good. It's not great. It takes – you've got to be a special athlete to play that position. Could he become a left tackle in the NFL one day? Yes. But he's going to be a high draft pick in this year's draft, and he's going to play right tackle. Because right tackle, you don't necessarily have to be the delicate, perfect player to go against – you know, these elite pass right. rushes in the league. It's more of a – and look, a lot of the – you know, it's more of a power position. You're going to run the ball more. He runs – he run blocks really well, uh, and, and he can pass protect well too, and his size allows him to be great, but he's not – he's not perfect at it. And he and, – and there's times that his aggression and attitude puts him in a bad situation because he wants to finish a block in a time where it's probably not about finishing as much as it's diverting the player making the rush. And then you saw in, in that Clemson game – semifinal couple years ago you saw him caught in some positions where you know you you thought you were just a little too aggressive there you got out of position uh and and even some of the bigger games he's played in houston ohio state a year ago uh, and and he's still grading out extremely high 80s or 90s i would guess but he's just a ways away from being a a left tackle in the nfl in my opinion when you just literally are focused on on pass protecting but the i mean the size is there size is there the, the aggression is there he's a he is a monster uh, on the line of scrimmage, and he's the guy you want off the bus first because he's a jerk. <laughs> he is. He's a jerk on the football field. I love him for it. He hates his teammates as much as he hates the guy he's playing against in practice. Like that's somebody. That's a special football player.
1: I was talking to him the other day uh, after practice, and like, the first thing I noticed was he was standing straight up, and his
0: fingertips were touching his knees. Right. The dude's reach is yeah, it's unbelievable, amazing. and you gotta have it. You gotta have like I'm. I'm only six foot. Uh, five and i've got almost a seven foot wingspan and that's what made me a great guard is because tackles just could not get their hands on me right. i'm gonna lock out hold you out here and you're trying to get to my chest and you know you're just not gonna be able to do it that's he's got the uh, amazing physical uh attributes when it comes to playing tackle no doubt and hands the size of saucers i mean he has plates for hands like that was one of the knocks in me in the nfl draft in the combine was i had small hands for an nfl offensive lineman small hands my hands are giant I've got catcher's mitts for hands, and they weren't. And so then some kid came up to me at line, and he was like, let me see your hand. He puts his hand up to mine, and his fingertips were probably an inch and a half longer than mine. I mean, just some freaks. Javon Curse, like if you can find his handprint somewhere, it's like he's Swamp Thing. Like he could swim with fins between his fingers. It's just freakish how big some of these guys are. You
1: ever met Adrian Peterson ever shook his hand? Oh, yeah. Man, it just
0: shakes you up to your, to your wrist. That's I've, how, all
1: I've heard is just you shake that dude's hand, you're right. probably going to be in a cast for a yes. month. This dude just crushes hands when yeah. he shakes them. Uh, for the people listening uh, that might be fans of me, that live in Texas or you know don't listen to the franchise but listen to this podcast, Sam played at Oklahoma State. I uh, played four. You were there for yeah. Four I years. in my first year, so you are there, there for five years total. Okay. Yeah. Being in Stillwater in the early 2000s, and we're going to wrap up here shortly. Was there a stigma? about Bob Stoops, not necessarily about OU, but a stigma about Bob Stoops on the OSU campus in that locker room. I mean, did you guys
0: talk about Stoops? Oh, yeah. Conversations about what he was doing in Norman? Right, yeah. this um, This is one of those things that I resent to a degree about Mike Gundy is there is not an emphasis or a conversation about Oklahoma football on that campus prior to the week of the football game, and he's not... And even during the week of the football game, he's like, it's just another game. Like in Stillwater in the early 2000s, when OU showed up, that was, it was everything. It's because And that, my team's got significantly better every year. We improved. We went from no bowl to bowl to cotton bowl to potentially going to a BCS bowl. Like it was, Les Miles was a winner and a motivator. But Les is mentioning OU every day, no matter who we're playing. Every single day, saying something about that football team or that, that team down south or something right. like that and help. And we were we were always think about it. And for me personally, it was always interesting because Bob Snoop is from my hometown. That's a Youngstown boy down there doing those things in Norman. And I'm a Youngstown boy up here, 45 minutes, and I'm looking to do my own great thing. So yeah, there was always like I had Tommy Harris, a, a picture of him on Sports from Sports Illustrated my sophomore year. Right, I'm I'm a full time starter. This kid is the number one defensive tackle in the country. He's on Sports Illustrated in his uniform. You can probably Google this later today, in his uniform, and it's raining all over him. I think I remember, and I had my locker pasted with that because. And from game one, no one ever said anything to me about it because they knew what I was getting myself mentally prepared for that football game and for Bedlam and for Tommy Harris because I wanted that game more than anything. I've never have uh, cried or thrown a fit after a loss. My senior year, we lost that game because a miss kicked. We were going to send that thing into overtime, kicker missed to kick, and I was infuriated. It's the most rage that I've ever – because that was going to be my third time in my four years on the field that we would have beat Oklahoma. That was everything to me. It was everything to me. I I didn't beat Texas at all, not one single time in my five years at Oklahoma State, but beat Oklahoma twice and wanted it Third that third time. It was – and less wanted it. His pregame speeches before that game, they were completely raw, unfiltered, unprepared – no whiteboard behind him where he's drawing plays. He was talking about rage and pain and suffering and making – even if we he, – he would even say it. I don't care if you win or lose this game. You make sure those boys limp back to Norman, right, or they remember who you played today. It was like a remember the Titans moment. Like, it was fantastic. Okay.
1: Uh yeah. First off, I agree. I don't. I just don't feel that hatred between the two schools no. like like there used to be. I mean, I I have a hard time believing that Michigan isn't constantly thinking in the back of their head about Ohio State right. every week, or vice versa, or right. Alabama and Auburn. I think that those schools keep a close eye on each other every week and right. they hate each other. And there's they, real hate there, right? Yes. <laughs> real. Okay. <laughs> he talked about less miles and his aggression and and uh, being physical. So. I, I've heard rumors. I have to, I have to hear the story if it's true. Did you bite a guy's finger off during a game?
0: <laughs> I got fish hooked my senior year in the UCLA game, and uh, I might have removed some flesh from the end of his finger, um, and take taken it back to the sidelines with me. It was that was probably the weirdest part is I didn't spit it
1: out. Okay, so it wasn't it wasn't you just did, it wasn't I mean, just it was, from skin. It you... was
0: it was. It was a pretty significant amount of figure. Okay,
1: you, you did that to that poor California boy. He probably went home and cried for a
0: week, dude. That's not even half as bad as it gets in the in the in the trenches. Like, and I think it's a different game today because you're not running the ball as All much, right. so you don't have as much uh, interaction in piles with the defensive line. But if you wore different colored pants. And I was in the position where I could hit you somehow, some way, in a place that was going to make you remember I was down in there and you were well, gonna get I, I've heard Mark Schler tell no, sores he, he all the time about just like brutal. jumping like fingers up guys' butts. Yeah, and like, couldn't wear, couldn't wear, don't wear tape. Like if you've got an ankle that's taped up, better not have tape it up in that game or wear some, uh, some socks over it because if I find out you've got an injury or something like that, it's the edge. It is the mental edge. We had a center. I guess it's because of a podcast. I can be a little more. You uh, can, yeah, you can cut um, whatever you want. There was. We had a center that would get in his stance <laughs> and tell the the nose guard across from him how good he looked in his pants, but like in a voice that made you believe that he was serious about it, <laughs> and talk about <laughs> the curbs and like what he could see in the kid's pants. Right. So then we'd go double team. Knock the kid down, so then he'd get on top of him and like rub him. <laughs> yes, and so you've got kids in the second quarter that are in tears. You know, into look, these are twenty-year-old kids. These- the
1: best way to one of the best
0: ways to get in their heads is yes. to just make them uncomfortable. Yes, and that's what he would do. He would make them so physically uncomfortable with him putting his hands on them. You got guys coming in. You got coaches calling timeouts, talking to the referees about it, and it's a quiet. Especially at home when it's quiet. You're on the ball, and I could hear him, but he's basically whispering, and unless the referee was standing on his hip, which he never would be. Right. No one ever knew what was happening. I mean, but he would just tell. I mean, I'm talking the the some graphic, graphic uh, stuff. Yes.
1: All right. Well, before things get too graphic <laughs> in here, I know you've got a show to go do, so uh, thank you, Sam, for coming on. No problem, What's your buddy.
0: Twitter? At uh, all American Maze, like okay. America.
1: Okay, and all, at all American Mays, no A on America, right? No, America, okay. like, yeah. And then uh, I'm at hourly pay. Aaron, um, Sam, thanks for coming on.
0: No problem, buddy. It was a lot of
1: fun. Have a good one.
0: A what? It's like a tight end. H-back. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow, yeah, that's
0: interesting. But I, I will tell you, I talked to a bunch of the Broncos coaches. They're like, I just don't know if he's a fluid enough athlete to go over and play tight end. Yeah. Yes, well, well, catch the fall naturally Oh, and, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Okay, stand by guys.